Here's a thought I'll title, Grand Landscapes, Landscapes, and Intimate Landscapes. And I want to start this thought with my two kitties (laughs) that were both the same breed of cat and looked very, very, very similar. But in fact, they were quite different. But one of the things that was fascinating to me is that when people would come over to the house and they'd see our two cats, they would almost invariably ask, how do you tell them apart? Because to someone who didn't know these two cats, they looked absolutely identical. But to us, they looked as different as different can be. We couldn't imagine how people couldn't tell the difference between the two cats. But in fact, it was such a common question that I realized there was a deeper principle involved here, and that has to do with when you work with something over and over and over daily, you learn to see subtleties that other people can't see. Take, for example, landscape photography. When I was just getting started in photography, I thought of landscape as anything that had land that was photographed outdoors. I understood the difference between landscape and wildlife, but all landscapes seem to be sort of doing the same thing. But I've been working with landscapes now for 50 years, and one of the things that happened fairly early, maybe after I'd been working with landscapes five or ten years or so, is I began to differentiate them in my mind's eye, and my thinking about landscapes changed. And now I tend to think in terms of grand landscapes that usually have some sort of identifiable famous feature like Half Dome or something, landscapes that might be a little shorter in scale, maybe they don't go to infinity, maybe they extend from where I stand out, you know, 50 or 100 or 200 or 1,000 yards or so, but would generally not have some famous structure in it. Think of those as sort of ordinary landscapes as opposed to spectacular national park landscapes. And then there are intimate landscapes where maybe the field of view is between where I am and 30 or 40 yards or even closer than that, maybe just a few feet. And eventually those intimate landscapes, when you get even closer, they become macro photography. So the more over the decades I've worked with the same subject over and over and over again, I start to see subtleties and variations just like I can in my two cats. And Now it's to the point where when someone shows me an intimate landscape and refers to it as a grand landscape or vice versa, it always catches me by surprise because to me they seem to be as different as different can be. They also are changed in terms of my general approach. The grand landscape, in my way of thinking, tends to be more about showing nature at its most beautiful, most spectacular, most grand. Grand not only means big, but it means sort of most spectacular. And so grand landscapes, to my way of thinking, are perhaps the least personal. They are the kind of landscape that's most dependent on the subject itself, on the land itself. And my role as a photographer is to sort of stand out of the way be invisible, be the unobserved objective viewer, and to present a grand landscape as a recording of a beautiful, spectacular, noteworthy place. 
landscapes become a little more personal. They're maybe not the place that everybody would stop and take a picture, and they don't have a Kodak picture emblem telling you where to stand and point the picture to get the famous shot. Landscapes are a bit more personal. And my role as a landscape photographer is different than my role as a grand landscape photographer. With landscapes, my role is to try to see something that maybe other people would drive by. That's not needed in the grand landscape because everybody will look at the grand landscape and go, ooh, ah, isn't that great? But not everybody will look at a normal landscape, a regular landscape, a not grand landscape, and see it as something significant. My job as a photographer, therefore, is to present the the non-grand landscape as something that's worthy of looking at. It takes a little more work, a little more effort on my part to make it interesting. And the intimate landscapes are not only closer in distance from me to the subject, but as the horizon line or the distance viewed in the image gets closer to me, so the pictures themselves get closer to me, and they become more and more personal, more and more a projection of what I see in the world, and literally more intimate, hence I call them intimate landscapes. The intimate landscapes require that I bring more personal reaction, my response to this scene, than do the grand landscapes or the regular landscapes. All of this may be a little bit what the Zen Buddhists call putting legs on a snake, sort of unnecessary intellectualization of the idea of photographing in the land. But to me, there is a difference because of the different requirements that are placed on me as a photographer. And if I know which hat I have to wear in order to make this kind of landscape successful— that helps me think more clearly about tools, methods, approach, composition, light, etc. Like I say, the three different kinds of landscape to me have different requirements. And knowing that helps me narrow my options and narrow my choices to the ones that are likely to be successful with the kind of landscape I'm attempting to make. Copyright 2023 Lenswork Publishing